Microsoft gets bad news and good news, while Chipotle shareholders get great news with a side of guac. Motley Fool Money starts now. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio for the first time in a long time. It's Motley Fool Senior Analyst Bill Parker. Good to see you. Uh, good to be back. We're going to start with Microsoft today because Microsoft is dominating the business news for a couple of reasons. We're going to get to the first one, which is a, I'm going to say, glowing third quarter report. Profits and revenue were higher than expected. Shares of Microsoft up nearly 8% and hitting a new 52-week high. You and I were talking about this earlier this morning. This is, um, and Alphabet was the same, uh, one of those conference calls where uh, AI mentioned a lot. Um, in terms of the quarter itself, what stood out to you for Microsoft? Well, Azure up 27% year over year. That's uh, continuing to tick down. Uh, you know, as quarters go by, up from the like the 50% range, it was uh, thriving on in, in back in 2021. Uh, but still, for something as big as this to still be growing 27% year over year is, I think, one of the big keys to the market reaction today. In terms of all of the talk around AI, um, I know we're in early days, but it seems like there's this general sentiment that Microsoft's doing a better job than Alphabet is. Is that is that fair? Is that warranted? Uh, or, well, is, or is part of this, we just expect more from that realm out of Alphabet, because Google Search has been so good for so long, and Bing has been, well, Bing. Well, uh, on the, you know, you've got people saying that Google has years of lead in AI, and they just haven't productized it. Uh, that they've got the top minds, and they, they've got, they were on this uh, before others, and that they have uh, been slow in bringing it to market, which they have been uh, in comparison, certainly to Microsoft. And Bard, you know, came out with sort of a, a whimper uh, rather than a bang, and uh, you know, they've they've already sunk so much into this that uh, my suspicion is, and a lot of other people's suspicion is, that they actually are going to uh, be hitting it out of the park. At some point, but they wanted to do it right, and uh, that led them to uh, some people accusing them of a Kodak moment. Yeah, I've seen that. What what is that? What is that in reference to? I, I, that's okay. So that's in reference to Kodak. Well, no, <laughs> that part I get. But what 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 is the Kodak moment? Uh, Was it just Kodak not realizing that, hey, this digital film thing is going to take off, and the processing of film is going to zero? Yes. Okay. But more, even more specific than that, of being in the forefront in digital photography before others were, and holding back on getting behind it because it was going to cannibalize their existing and very profitable silver halide film business. And so, they could have been the leader. But they chose, out of uh, you know caution toward their ongoing profits, to not be, and that was the death of the company ultimately. The other reason Microsoft is in the news today is because the UK Competition and Markets Authority is blocking Microsoft's sixty-nine billion dollar acquisition of Activision Blizzard. 
and I'm quoting here from the CMA statement, allowing Microsoft to take such a strong position in the cloud gaming market just as it begins to grow rapidly would risk undermining the innovation that is crucial to the development of these opportunities. You had Sony and Nintendo among those who were lining up, uh, urging the CMA to block this deal. The reaction from investors was to um, essentially reward Microsoft. Congratulations, you're not going to have to spend $69 billion. So the stock is up a little bit more as a result of that. Shares of Activision Blizzard down 11% this morning. Where do you want to begin with this? Because I'm sort of tempted to begin with the immediate aftermath of both Microsoft and Activision Blizzard saying, we're going to fight this. And I'm wondering, how hard are you going to fight this? Doesn't matter how hard they're going to fight this. It's not going to. It's not going to come out. On, they're not going to come out on top. The, the the history of the regulating body in the UK is to not um, change anything on appeal here. So they know that they have to posture. Uh, and in terms of the breakup fee uh, that Activision is going to get, they they kind of have to play out the the string on this one. Uh, but I mean, Sony is up today because look, there was. Uh, some negative uh, effect that this likely would have had on the Sonys and Nintendos of the world, which is why they were fighting it. And uh, their argument uh, won the day. And the market today is, you know, rewarding Sony for no other reason than the outcome of this case. In terms of the stock, do you think the let's just call it punishment of Activision Blizzard shares is a bit much. I mean, if if this is truly going the way of you're not going to win on appeal, and because of that, in sometime in mid July, Microsoft is going to cut you a check for three billion dollars, which goes straight to their uh, balance sheet. I'm wondering how much of an opportunity exists for Activision Blizzard because it's not like this is a business that is, you know, flailing about. Yes, they wanted to be acquired by Microsoft, but on its own, particularly with an additional three billion dollars, it seems like a good business. It is a good business. I don't know uh, what the price of Activision was when Microsoft first made the offer to buy for sixty-nine billion. Market's got uh, Activision is worth you know sixty sixty one billion um, absent that uh, that purchase and also likely the reality that nobody else is going to be able to buy Activision in such a deal because then they would be uh, you know in the same crosshairs of the regulations so uh, part of what Activision doesn't have today that it had yesterday was. The possibility of being bought by Microsoft, or if not Microsoft, somebody else, and all that's taken off the table. So that's a sort of buyout premium that's gone. Activision's, uh, you know, lineup of games is going to continue to thrive and going to continue to, uh, you know, be at the the center of cloud uh, gaming. Uh, but uh, you know, the stock's worth about the same that it was five years ago. And if you're Microsoft, obviously you wanted the deal to go through. You say you're going to appeal this, but you're probably smart enough to realize that's not going to happen. Where do you think they go from here? Because clearly they were willing to spend upwards of $70 billion for Activision Blizzard. Do you think uh, making an acquisition in gaming 
is worth pursuing immediately, or do you let the dust settle from this one? I don't know. Microsoft's got like 20 other things going on that are as big or bigger than you know the Xbox stuff. Uh, so I think they'll allocate capital uh, accordingly and and not throw it at the next thing that is Activision, but a little bit smaller. So maybe we can get away with that. Uh, that's that's they're gonna Xbox is gonna thrive by being on the same side of the equation that it's been uh, on up to now, and that's profitable. And you know they'll be a partner of Activision rather than an owner. Chipotle's first quarter profits were much higher than expected. Revenue slightly higher as well. Same store sales growth for Chipotle was nearly eleven percent. And the stock is up 14% this morning and hitting a new all-time high today. Brian Nickel and his team have been among the best, if not the very best, at raising prices over the past 18 months. And I think when you look at the stock, uh, there's the proof. Yeah, so that 11% is uh, 7% on the size of the check, which is basically inflation, the, the degree to which they raised prices and, and uh, passed that along, and 4% traffic. So that's good. They're not completely reliant on future uh, top line growth through inflation continuing. Uh, they've proven that uh, they can. Take price, as as they say in the business, rather than raise price, which is the English that everybody else uses. I don't know. Does take price sound like it's it's less? No. You know, you're no. not. <laughs> no, I, I prefer raise price. Yeah, I'm just I'm adopting their language for the moment. So they they've got more people coming in. Uh, the task now, is, since they have uh, put out that they hope not to be raising prices again, not promising um, because they see some inflation put, uh, potential in the second half of the year, particularly with avocados. We'll get to that in a second, maybe. And um, they've got more people coming in, and that is the focus right now: is to continue that part of the equation. It's one of the reasons I like Brian Nickel as the CEO. Is he's a clear communicator. He's been very clear about how they've been raising prices over the past year and a half, and as you said, indicated they're going to hit the pause button on that. Which, to bring it back to the same store sales, if they're actually going to do that. Even if it's just for a few months, then they really need to figure out ways to boost traffic. If they're if they're not going to be relying on uh, higher prices to boost that average ticket, then they're going to have to do a better job than four percent increases in traffic uh, over the next three to six months, aren't they? So you uh, gone gone in there lately? You've been eating at Chipotle? Uh, no, I haven't. Why not? I, I, You're not part of this equation. I'm not part of this equation. You used to like Chipotle. I still like Chipotle. I just haven't been there in a while. Why do you think that is? Other options? Yeah. yeah. So, one of the things that's getting people in, and apparently it's not working with you, now we've discovered that, is the sort of limited time only things that they put on the menu, which you may want to go and try. Oh, this is the chicken al pastor. Yeah, right. It's been which, a big, big hit. The, a big hit. Something like the the most successful. It's a limited time only thing. Get over there. So it's like the McRib, but they're but classier. But cla- <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's just move on. When you look at this stock, it's at an all-time high, and this is a stock that has never really been cheap on a valuation basis. 
But I am wondering if, in fact, this is one of those times where it's like, no, really, the stock's at an all-time high. Couple that with the comments from Nickel. You know, he's not pointing to any sort of weakness. They're, you know, they're continuing to invest in their locations. They're going to open another, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 230 locations. At least that's their goal for this year. So they are pricing in those investments, which makes me wonder. How optimistic should people be about, call it, the next 12 months for the stock? I don't know. I mean, who knows what the price of a stock's going to be in 12 months? Should you know? You know? I mean, no. <laughs> no, you should admit that you won't know that. But the, I mean, the health of the business, you know, the business, short term, intermediate term, and long term all looks good. Uh, okay, so maybe there's a, you know, recession somewhere in the on the horizon. Certainly, that's speculated about all the time. Hasn't arrived yet. Um, if it shows up and a few more people uh, are out of work, then you know, a few more people are going to be saving money by not going to Chipotle as as often, and and that could interrupt uh, the extremely impressive growth trajectory that they're enjoying at the moment. But. You know, they've. Uh, I think the target is seven thousand total restaurants is the the longer term goal. Uh, that's going to take I don't know some more five to eight years, something like that. And um, you know, everything is smooth sailing at the moment. What was the thing about avocados? Are the price of the are is there input cost for avocados coming down, and that's helping to boost their margin? It has come down over the, the sort of explosives of avocados, eggs were a couple of the things that were you know capturing headlines for the you know the inflation in those categories, uh, and that has improved and that's improved their margins a bit. But they uh, indicate that uh, or uh, on the conference call uh, indicated that. That might reverse itself in the second half. You don't really know, and you know. So now may be the time to hoard avocados if you're out there. So no one should expect Chipotle to lower the cost of guacamole. No, no, no. It's never coming down. You know, from here, that's not happening. Although, what are you talking about? We'll see if if uh, if there actually is a recession. If they actually need to start, you know, they've done a great job with their app. And as you said, they did a great job with this limited edition item. So it's not going to stun me if a set of circumstances leads to Chipotle is offering deals on guacamole. Untaking price, you're thinking. Because <laughs> we don't want to say lowering prices? <laughs> no, they might give you a little less guacamole. Shrinkflation. Shrinkflation. Or they might give you a little more, like if they're trying to move guacamole uh, as it, uh, you know, as the price of the avocados comes down, they might give you a little bit extra. That might be about as much as uh, the untaking of price would go, though. That might. You're, you're still going to be paying the extra for it at the, the level you are now. That might get me in the door. It's. They need you. They don't need me. They just their stock's hitting an all-time high, and I haven't been there in I don't know how long. Look at how much you could eat. Well, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Barker, thank you. Good to have you back. Good to be here. Businesses are digging through their sofa cushions looking for savings, and that's a problem for cloud spending. Tim Byers and Tim White take a closer look at Amazon Web Services. Welcome to 
to This Week in Tech on Motley Fool Money. I'm Tim Byers. He's Tim White. Tim, let's talk about cloud spending. Let's talk about Amazon Web Services because we had the shareholder letter from Amazon, and in it, they talked about over $80 billion in AWS run rate spend. Boy, is that a lot. I mean, this is this is one of Amazon's biggest businesses. It's one of its most profitable businesses. What do you think this means for Amazon, that they are so dependent on AWS? I think that the fact that Andy Jassy, the current CEO, came from that business uh, means that he's fully well aware of how profitable that business is yeah. uh, and is trying to bring a similar, maybe not... Uh, exactly the same, but similar level of profitability to the rest of Amazon businesses, and that means a lot of cuts, a lot of cost cutting. I think. Yeah, I fully agree, and and they've signaled that, right? Like, but they also signaled that there might be some softness, some weakness uh, as we move forward with the AWS business into the second half of the year, and, and that feels like something we're seeing a lot more of. I think most businesses, especially tech businesses, are pretty hesitant to commit to the end of this year uh, as far as being big. A lot of businesses are delaying spending, holding back on things, and every business is starting to go through the couch cushions and looking for spending cuts, which is part of the normal cycle of how these things go. We have these sort of like boom and bust cycles where we, you know, growth is the most important thing, and then suddenly cost cutting is the most important thing. But I think a lot of businesses are suddenly realizing that they have a bunch of Amazon web services spend uh, that's going out the door that they don't need to be spending. Do you think this is, I mean, I know this is a little bit of a hand grenade question here, but is this one of the inherent weaknesses of the cloud model, particularly at the infrastructure level? I mean, are we starting to discover, in other words, that basic cloud services like AWS are a commodity product and you know, let the price wars kick on. I hope that's true because I think it benefits everybody if, <laughs> if the uh, benefits if, us as yeah, a company. If prices come down across cloud infrastructure. I think that helps a lot of companies other than the major cloud providers. But at the same time, I think that every one of them, Azure, yeah, AWS, and, and Google Cloud, and even Oracle Cloud, are working hard at building products that are unique to them and add unique value. And they are trying to help their customers spend wisely. But I think it's a little bit of a a little bit of a Janus kind of thing where they've got one face that says, yeah, we'll help you control your cloud spend. On the other hand, they're like, oh, by the way, we've been charging you for this thing you haven't been using for two years and it cost you a million dollars. Right, right, right. And there are companies who actually have introduced tools. This is one that a favorite company of mine, Datadog, introduced about 18 months ago. And it was, you know, the observability said, let us help you observe your cloud spend so you can control it. That is fundamentally one of, I don't think it's a surprise, Tim, that that's one of the more popular products that Datadog offers. Right. So, in terms of Amazon, uh, I think that they, no one's going to stop their cloud migrations, but I think companies are going to start looking really hard at exactly what workloads are best in the cloud, which ones might be better elsewhere. Uh, we talked about IBM's results showing there's still growth in the mainframe business. So I think some workloads are still on the mainframe and probably aren't going anywhere anytime soon. So I think that none of that's changing, but I do think that especially for the rest of this year, there is going to be a, a slowdown and a pullback on that spending. And I think it's probably healthy for companies to try to get a hold of their spending. 
So, what do you do if you're Andy Jassy then? I mean, one of the things we talked about is where can you get differentiation in a product suite that, for the most part, is becoming a bit more commoditized, like as goes AWS, also goes Google Cloud, also goes Azure, like pick your poison. How does AWS get a little more differentiation here? If I was able to just suddenly take over as Andy Jassy for one day, I would focus on one thing in particular, and that is, as we've often said in the discussions you and I have had, developer experience. The better your documentation can be, the more tutorials, the more questions and answers, the more support that's available to folks using your products, uh, the more stickiness there will be. So as soon as someone else goes and tries to use Oracle Cloud and is immediately stuck and can find no help on the internet for what their problem is, they might be excited to go back to AWS if your documentation is better, which I would offer today it probably is not. I would I would say the same, Tim. I would also say that one of the things that you and I have talked about, which is one of the real misunderstood advantages of tech infrastructure companies in in particular, is that once a developer sets up a habit, sets up a routine, and they have workflows that actually genuinely work, and it's all set up, and it's well-documented, those developers, no matter how good the other tool is, they're going to be re- they're going to resist switching until it's really painful not to. I think that's true. On the other hand, I have seen it happen in huge waves where as soon as something is compellingly better, even if they're used to something else, there will be a giant migration running over to there, like people getting off of Angular 1, which was a JavaScript framework. It was miracle, you know, a miracle at the time when it came out, but as soon as other frameworks came out, uh, people were running away from it as soon as they possibly could just because the alternatives were compelling. Right. There is a, There are these tipping points. So, do you think... There is room then for these companies, many of whom we've talked about on This Week in Tech, that are cloud independent. Is it a better time for them because they are cloud independent? Or do we expect that Amazon is going to do its best to lock customers in and will succeed at that? Well, as you and I have often said, history doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it certainly echoes. And so, if we look at the early 2000s with what was happening with IBM and Oracle and Microsoft, they were clutching as hard as they could to hold on to people and to prevent people from going to to open source uh, solutions. And so, I suspect that's probably what's going to happen here. I had a prediction several years ago that the kind of next wave of open source revolution was coming. I think that that probably will happen in terms of cloud infrastructure. It's lovely to have something that works really well that's closed source. It's much better to have something that works well that is open source. And so, I think as those alternatives become more viable, you'll see people start to use them. I mean, I think... We're starting to see a lot of growth, and particularly companies in the platform tier. So I already mentioned Datadog, a company that whose products exist across different clouds. There does seem to be a real allure to having at least a collection of some tools that can live anywhere your infrastructure resides. Um, it, speaking of history echoing here, Tim, I mean, we've seen that before. As well, we've seen, you know, um, best of breed tools have their moment, and then other times, whole platforms have their moment. This does feel like we're in a whole platform moment, 
for the moment, sorry, (laughs) but I wonder if best of breed is going to have its moment here in the next couple of years. What do you think? Well, I, I do think that it is awfully, it is awfully nerve wracking to have the same company that's billing you for something also be in charge of helping you understand where you are spending money. It is nice to have an independent auditor. And so I think that that will be true regardless of how all this plays out. Uh, I remember working with a product called HP OpenView, which was a tool that you see across your whole network and what was happening. And one of the things that that tool did was help you control spending on uh, Sun OS licenses, right? Uh, For servers that were having low utilization that you were paying a big yearly license fee for. So I, I do think that that is always going to be a thing where controlling costs across vendors and also auditing a vendor that may or may not be giving you the full story is always going to be an important product. Yeah, IBM did something similar with Tivoli, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was very very similar. Yeah, I mean, so everything old is is new again. Let's let's end on this. Let's park on this. If if AWS finds itself in a price war, is are they the company best positioned to vacuum up the lion's, you know, the lion's portion of market share here, seeing as they're already the market leader, or is this disruptive to them? I think they're the best positioned to be able to not care about price. Uh, yeah. That said, the other players are also well positioned to not care about price. I mean, Microsoft and, and Google have deep pockets. So and I really think that it could be anyone. At the same time, I also think that they are eyeing each other closely and realizing that nobody really wants to get into a price war here. Right. It's a little bit, it does feel a little bit like airlines, like airlines back in the 80s and 90s. Like everybody was afraid of the airline that was going to start a price war. But once you started, it was really hard to get out of it. So I, I agree with that. All right. Well, for, uh, for Tim White, I'm Tim Byers. That is This Week in Tech on Motley Fool Money. We will see you again next time. Remember, the show is on Motley Fool Live on Fridays from noon to 1 Eastern time. We'll see you soon and fool on. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.